Mike Frisch returns to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Mike is an outstanding guide in the Alexandria area. He also is on Fishing in the Midwest and runs the School of Fish. Lots of things to talk about with Mike Frisch next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We have a good friend back on the show. It's been a couple of years. I don't know what happened there, but it's great to have him back. Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, the School of Fish, and a great guy down in the Alexandria area joins us. Mike, welcome back. Good to have you back. Thanks, Kev. Glad to be back. It's uh, Like you said, it's been a couple of years, but glad to be back with you. Well, Mike, uh, we expanded this show quite a bit in the last couple of years. We have a, a huge podcast audience now. The encompassing the entire Midwest, so maybe a lot of people that hadn't heard your story in the past are, are listening now, so let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, how you found your way to where you're at now, uh, how you got into fishing, and how you got into uh, the fishing as a professional. Well, I started fishing, I don't even know, I was a really little guy, I know that <laughs> <laughs> and my mom and dad fished, my grandparents, uh, particularly on my dad side fished and they always found room for a um, mischievous little kid in their boat I guess and it started we did a lot of I grew up in eastern North Dakota so most of my um, early walleye fishing was done out like on the reservoirs in North Dakota a lot on Oahe some on Takakawea and then when I got a little older we started a vacation in the west central part of Minnesota in the Fergus Falls area um, and eventually uh, I went to college and, and became a teacher and was fortunate to meet um, some pretty good fishermen. Uh, Gary Korsgaden from, uh, Gary was actually in Fargo at the time. Uh, his brother-in-law was an assistant coach of mine, so I got to know Gary through him and eventually met Bob Jensen, and uh, um, things just kind of spiraled from there. I, I spent some time as a Fishing the Midwest team member when I was still coaching and teaching. And then in 08, um, I left teaching and coaching and ended up in the fishing business um, full-time. And now that's in the last six years, and um, I'm actually kind of taking over the ownership of Fishing the Midwest now. So it's kind of been a, been a process. But, you know, that story, Kev, about it's about who you meet in life. And I was lucky to, to meet some really good people, some people that – um, not only outstanding fishermen, but um, good business people and people that have become really good friends. Dwayne Peterson from, you know, Northland Tackle being one of those as well. So it's just been one of those deals where right now I'm kind of living my dream, and I'm just fortunate that um, I met the right people along the way to, to help get to this point. You know, it's uh, what I find interesting about your story is you mentioned your teacher coach and, and also got into the fishing game. I know so many people like that, uh, whether it be Dwayne Peterson, who was once a teacher himself, and Travis, who still is. 
And I'd say at least half of the guides I speak with are also teachers and coaches. Um, and, and I wonder, what is it about those things that all combine together so often? Well, you know, the, the thing that I used to joke about when I was teaching was the best things about being a teacher were June, July, and August. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because then we could be out in the boat. So, I no, I, I think that, you know, it's part of, you know, having those months off and, I think a big part of it, too, is where we live, you know. If you've got June, July, and August off and you live in Minnesota, you're either going to fish or you're going to golf, and I can't hit a golf ball. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's kind of – but you're right. There's a lot of, lot of um, teachers that I know that are, that are guides as well, and it's just one of those things that the professions kind of, you know, work so well together because of the timing. And other thing, too, is like when I was teaching a lot of my – friends my buddy teaching buddies painted houses or shingled roofs well um i'm very mechanical don't know how to use the hammer very good so again fishing was a was a good alternative to that i guess well and one of the other things i think is really key um guides are educators in their own way you know they've got people in the boat who maybe aren't real experienced you got to be patient you got to teach them how to do things you got to communicate with them and uh, so there are some definitely some similarities between the two professions oh absolutely and the other thing too you know that i think is in addition to being patient and you know being educators i think the other thing that that plays well for teachers is you know, most teachers are, are pretty good with people. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be good with kids, obviously you're probably pretty good with adults as well. And I think being a people person is something that um, really helps being a fishing guide as well because, you know, there's days when the fish don't always do what we want them to do. And, you know, being relatable to people and, and being good to people I think helps you a lot um, in anything you do in life. But um, it's it's a good or a good quality, I think, to have as well when maybe the fish aren't biting. You can still make it an enjoyable day for your clients on the water if, you know, you have fun and you're good-natured and, and so on and so forth. Okay. Well, let's get into uh, what's going on on the water these days. Uh, what's happening in your neck of the woods? Well, we are in that, that kind of uh, period now where we're transitioning from the spring to the summer bite. Uh, this last week has been a little bit tough as far as the walleyes and the panfish as well. These fish are moving, and we're now starting to see the walleye setting up in on some deeper structure, you know, those sunken islands and, and humps and those kind of places. Uh, the panfish now are uh, out off the deep weed lines and starting to set up there in school there, so that's become more consistent. And then the other part of it as far as the bass, you know, seeing some bass, particularly smallmouth on beds and some of the largemouth as well. So there are still some fish shallow, but um, starting to see more of those fish moving out deeper as well. So it's kind of a time of transition, and as soon as we settle into a, a stable summer pattern, we're going to have some really good fishing here in the outer area. What are some of the key lakes that you've been fishing this, this spring so far? Well, the walleye thing, we've had a really good, good consistent bite the last several years on lake reno and um that lake is is producing fish right now uh, lake mary's got a good population of walleyes as well uh, the lahomedy chain's got a really nice population of fish as well i don't spend as much time chasing walleyes on the chain just because we've got super clear water because of zebra mussels and a lot of boat pressure out there so sometimes it can get a little tough on there but 
no, there's good walleyes in there. And then, of course, we've got a lot of, you know, smaller lakes in the area that um, have some good walleye populations as well. Big Chippewa is another one that, you know, comes to mind. So uh, those are kind of the ones that I'm keying in on right now. And I would say the two shining stars so far have been Mary and Reno. And I would look for that to continue as we get into that summer bite as well. Mike Frisch of Fish in the Midwest, my guest. We're talking walleyes on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Mike Frisch, my guest today. We are talking June walleye fishing, in particular in the Alexandria area. As they're moving uh, a little bit deeper, what have we been using in your neck of the woods, and, and what would you suggest we maybe try now? Well, you know, a lot of that early season bite has been uh, the traditional jigging a minnow, you know, jigging a shiner minnow um, has, has been really good. And now this is the time of the year when I start pulling uh, what I call the plane rig, which is just a two-hook harness on a plate and snell. Uh, behind a heavy two-ounce rock runner bottom mouncer. Um, and what I do with that is I fish a lot of the areas, the structure areas, you know, the edges of um, offshore or shoreline drops that kind of um, get out into deeper water and make those big underwater points. Um, also out on those sunken islands and humps, you know, places that a lot of guys lindy rig, I pull that plane, and typically we have pretty good success with that. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's easy for a guide client to fish. Number two, um, I, I fish faster than the line rig. I fish about a mile an hour. A lot of times the bite is pretty aggressive and the fish actually hook themselves. So that's kind of my go-to rig. It has been for the last several years and, and it's going to continue to be until I find something that, that does a better <laughs> job. But that, you know, that heavy rock runner and that um, plain snow with those, that crawler is, is, is pretty hard to beat for me. Let's move on to panfish for a bit. What uh, what are you throwing their way? Well, the panfish thing, you know, we're starting to get out off the the deep weed lines now, like I said, and so some of that bobber fishing now is giving away um, to, you know, casting or I'll even troll a little bit using my trolling motor and kind of try to hug the edge of the weeds to try to find schools of panfish. Um, I'm using a variety of Mr. Crappie baits right now, one of the, Mr. Crappie Bass that I really like is what's called the Joker. It's a, kind of a hybrid tube. It's actually got kind of appendages off of it, and that's a really good bait for me right now as well. So um, spending a lot of time on those fish, like I said, uh, trolling to try to find them and then casting those small jigging plastics. You know, a lot of guys will throw a tube or a small drum tail as well. But the key there is, is finding those fish because, again, once you find them lots of times, you can catch them pretty good right now. And the bass, what's happening with them? Well, like I said, there's still um, some bass up shallow, but I was actually on bass on them trying to think two days ago now. And basically what I did is I got out on uh, the emerging deep weed line, held the boat out in about 15 feet, and kind of quarter casted up ahead of the boat to shallower water with a uh, KVD 2.5 crankbait in a, you know, a bait fish, a perch or a bluegill type of pattern and reeled it back pretty quickly. And actually the first four fish that I caught, Kev, 
were a small mouth, a large mouth, a northern pike, and a 22-inch walleye. Mm. <laughs> and that's one of the things that crankbaits thing on the weed line is another thing that I'll do quite a bit with clients because, you know, even if they're not good with a bait caster, you can throw a crankbait on a spinning rod, works great, throw it up to that weed line, reel it back, and you get bit by a lot of different fish. So um, it's a good way to cover water and um, catch a bunch of different fish, but it's it's a great thing to do for, you know, when you're primarily targeting largemouth now as well. You know, one of the uh, things that is changing, you mentioned zebra mussels. How significant is the AIS and zebra mussel situation in your waters down there? It's very significant. Um, you know, I was a little, you know, I remember when when urine first came about, and, you know, we thought that that was going to be the doom and gloom and the end of fishing and, you know, so on and so forth. And so when the AIS thing hit, I was a little bit, um, wait and see as far as, you know, is this going to be as bad as people say? I think it has been, um, particularly for the walleye fishing, because what's happened is we've got, you know, super clear water. We've got weeds growing deeper than they've ever grown before. And that, that combination does a couple things. Number one, walleyes are tougher to catch, at least in my opinion, anytime you've got clear water. And the other thing is we've got a pretty good, population now of walleyes that live in the weeds for the cover and we've got more weeds so you've got a situation where those edge fish or drop-off fish that i like to call them are harder to catch during the day and there's a lot of fish in the weeds and you know really good anglers can can get in the weeds and pluck some of those fish out but for the average person um weed fishing is not an easy thing to do for walleyes now there is some really good news though as well and that's that in the Alex area in particular, we're seeing more big bass than I've ever seen before. And I'm not sure if it's because, you know, we've got deeper, greener, lusher weed growth, but like the Lahomedy chain is a very famous bass fishery for tournaments. And I remember back in the day, 15 years ago, if you had a two and a half pound average on the Lahomedy chain, you were going to probably be in the top five in the tournaments. Now, if you an average, you're not even going to be in the money. Um, so in that regard, it's gotten a lot better. Now, the other part about the walleye thing, too, is um, it's not all doom and gloom because some of our lakes, like we've Lake Ida, Lake Miltona, have a lot of deep structure, and there's still fish out on that deep structure. It's just that they're deeper than they were before as well. So it's changed the game. It's changed the game in terms of, you know, our lakes look different because there's more weeds. Obviously, the water's clearer. And so some of our good fishing spots, um, particularly if you're a shallow water um, walleye fisherman, some of my best shallow lakes that have zebra mussels now, 7 to 10 foot depths that I used to fish a lot, you can't even fish anymore in the summer because the weeds are all the way to the surface. So it, it's changed and, you know, hopefully these things will peak a little bit and maybe plateau and, and we'll get a little more color back in the water is kind of what we're hoping for, but... You know, I guess we'll see how that plays out. I think that's what we've seen here. Uh, in particular, I think the most affected lakes have been Cass and Winnie. And what it has been mm-hmm. is not really a change in the populations as more as a change as you were not noting where they're at, how they behave, when you can catch yep. them. Well, well, and that's that's just it. The populations of fish are still there, but, you know, I hear people say a lot, well, I used to be able to catch them in front of my cabin in 18 to 22 feet. And they'll say, 
I can't catch them there anymore or there's it's really weedy there, <laughs> you know, and I'll tell them, well, then if you can't catch them there, probably try to slide deeper, um, particularly if you're not comfortable fishing in the weeds, but get out on that weed edge in a little deeper water um, because, again, those fish are there. It's just where they're living and how they're behaving has changed. Mike Frisch joining me on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. We've got a lot more to cover with Mike, including getting kids and youth involved in fishing. He does run the school of fish after all. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tech. We were just talking about bass a little while ago. One of the things that I think has changed a lot is the popularity of bass. It's getting more and more popular all the time. And I attribute a lot of that to the growth of college and high school fishing teams because that's what you do competitively and it's introduced mm-hmm. uh, uh, the youth to uh, 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 bass fishing in a competitive way and seems to have really taken off are you have you noticed that too well you know kev the thing about it is is i believe that uh, bass fishing has gotten more popular you know particularly like you said with with the the younger kids um and fortunately, we have a lot of really good bass fishing in Minnesota. Now, the one thing that, and, and I'm with you, you know, the high school leagues and the college leagues are great forms for competition for kids, and obviously getting them excited about our sport is good. One thing that I think maybe as the industry we're missing a little bit is we still need to do a little better job with the grassroots kids, you know, those uh, younger kids that are not quite to that competitive level, we, we still need to continue to get those kids involved as well. But, yeah, I'm seeing it all the time. You know, it used to be I'd go bass fishing on a lake and have the whole lake to myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Now you get out there and uh, oftentimes out on a deep weed line, there's several boats out fishing. And, you know, it's a good thing because anytime we have kids involved, whether it be hunting or fishing, um, in my mind there's not very many better places for them to be. So, that, yeah, obviously it's a great thing for our sport. Well, uh, speaking of those grassroots roots kids organizations, that's something that's near and dear to your heart with the School of Fish. Um, we've talked about that a number of times. But uh, for those, uh, again, to the, the new audience and maybe ha- haven't heard you on this show uh, before, tell us a little bit about the School of Fish. Well, School of Fish, we actually started it eight years ago. Um, wow, time flies. <laughs> but it, it's a... Um, introductory level two and a half hour fishing class and when we started it we primarily aimed it at third through sixth graders and what we've actually done now is we there is no maximum age limit we've had adults come to school with this so it's third grade and on up and, but one of the things that we've learned is um, third fourth fifth graders are really excited about fishing and school of fish but one of the things that i found is like when we go into classes because some of our schools that we go to will allow us to promote the classes ahead of time and one of the things that i've seen is sixth graders it seems like if they don't have some positive fishing experiences they're not nearly as interested in it as kids that have had some experience so that's kind of where i said earlier we need to do a really good job on kids because i think that's really where the foundation gets laid um, but basically, it's a two-and-a-half-hour-long class. The kids learn about the lakes, the fish that live in them, some great ways to catch them. Um, they get a rod and reel. They get a tackle box with tackle. We use that rod and reel and the tackle to teach them how to tie the fisherman's knot 
and then we teach them how to rig and use a slip bobber setup and how to cast. Um, and at the end of school, they get the rod and reel and the tackle to keep. So we kind of promote it as um, these kids are water ready at the end of school with fish. And another thing, Kev, that we've done that's really um, made a big difference is we've invited parents or another adult to come with uh, their son or daughter to school. So now it's become more of a family type mentor mentee activity and actually some adults who didn't fish before come to school fishing now they feel confident that you know they can take their son or daughter fishing because they know how to tie a knot and rig a rod and you know so um and the good thing is with some of our classes uh with some of our classes we also um get them out on the water depending on the, on the location of the class after class as well so uh yeah it's a two and a half hour comprehensive class and We've taught it over 200 times in the last eight years in six different states across the Midwest. Wow. Um, so somebody's listening to this, uh, maybe a civic organization or whatever, and they'd like to maybe do something like this. How do we go about uh, getting the School of Fish to our town? Sure. So a lot of our, our schools are sponsored through community education departments, particularly in Minnesota. But we also have wildlife clubs, lions clubs, you know, hunting and fishing clubs that get behind it as well. And they can visit our website, fishingthemidwest.com, and at the top there's a School of Fish link, and they can learn more. Or um, my email address is a great way to get a hold of me, and it's simply schooloffish at outlook.com. So, again, schooloffish at outlook.com. Um, people can, you know, shoot me an email, and I'll send them our information packet and you know, let them know everything that they need to know to, uh, if they're interested in hosting the class. What's the maximum number of kids you can handle at one time? <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting, Kevin. We've had classes with over 70 kids, <laughs> and wow. those, have been cla- yeah, those have been classes that have been close to my home in, in Elbow Lake here in western Minnesota. And when we do that, we have several volunteers that help us as well. But um, typically... The typical class is around 20 to 25 kids, but what we tell them is um, a minimum of 10 kids and a maximum of 50. And if we have 50, then I typically will bring some helpers with as well. So uh, 10 to 50 is kind of our range. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, uh, let's get back to fishing. Uh, If we're going out this week, uh, what are some of the key things we need to do? Well, I think the key thing this time of the year is pay attention to your electronics you know sonar is so important um because like i said those fish are on the move they're starting to set up on some of that deep structure but uh the cool thing about deeper water that those sunken islands humps you can see those fish on your graphs so i always tell people be a hunter first hunt find those fish and the second thing that i think now is the time where those bottom bouncer presentations uh cover some water two things that that does for you number one obviously if the fish are scattered, you, you know, put your bait in front of more fish. And the second thing is warm water fish are typically triggered by speed, and that's a great way to catch them as well. So I'd say those two things, you know, find fish, do a good job of looking for them, and then use a little speed in your approach, and you should have some success. All right. And, Mike, if uh, anybody wants to uh, fish the Alec area, Elbow Lake Alec area, uh, you still have any, uh, any times available for people? Yes, I do. I've got a few openings for guide trips and my phone number is 218-731-8141 if folks want to give me a call or again they can check out our website fishingthemidwest.com and my 
guide information is there and contact information is there as well. All right. Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, the School of Fish, and just an all-around cool dude joining us today on Fish and Paul Lightning Country. Mike, it's always great to have you on the show. We'll, we'll definitely have to call you again sometime this summer, okay? Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. Have a good one.